Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Mrs. Oju, your lecturer for General Physics Laboratory 1, PHY113. You are welcome to class. In this course, I will be giving you audio lectures, videos, and also I will send you the PDF of the notes. Let's start with this audio lecture with the introduction. General Physics Laboratory 1. As a physics student, you will be involved in observing some physical phenomena and measuring physical quantities such as length, mass, time, temperature, and current of electricity. Please take note, you will be required to measure some physical quantities such as length, mass, time, temperature, and current of electricity. As you already know, these are called fundamental physical quantities. You should also note that such fundamental quantities are used to obtain derived quantities. You can give me examples of derived quantities you know, such as force, velocity, pressure, density, and so on. Through such measurements, we are able to learn more about nature. We are able to measure some constants about nature. For example, acceleration due to gravity, the resistance of a wire, and the specific heat capacity of a substance. We determine these constants by identifying how two variables are related through the use of graph. We are able to determine these constants by identifying how two variables are related through the use of graphs. Thus, in your practical session in the laboratory, you will be developing practical skills in measuring physical quantities and the show and to show the relationship between two physical quantities to be measured through the use of graph. In this course, therefore, you will be introduced to various types of graphs and how to use such graphs to obtain the physical constants required. A practical physics course is designed to give you the opportunity to acquire the necessary skills and techniques in the use of laboratory apparatus and instruments. Practical physics is consigned with the quantitative determination. Don't forget this. Practical physics is consigned with the quantitative determination of physical constants 
like we majored before. Physical constants, like the specific heat capacity, thermal conductivity, resistivity, and so on. However, some experiments are designed to verify known laws, laws that are already known. We are going to perform some experiments to verify those laws. Why others are designed to measure a perical relationship between two or more quantities. Listen to that again. Some experiments are designed to verify known laws. They already established laws. So in the laboratory, we're going to be performing some experiments to verify these laws. Also, others are designed to measure or to obtain a perical relationship between two or more quantities. In each case, accurate observations are necessary. And this should be taken with an intelligent realization of capacities of the apparatus provided. So the apparatus you use is a, of great value in the examination or in your work in the lab. It is therefore important that you should possess a proper background for careful observation, precise measurements, and knowledge to use the experimental results to their fullest advantage. The units of records should be carefully written. Please don't forget this. The units of records should be carefully written. Otherwise, the observations would become meaningless. Graphical representation of experimental results is usually referred, preferred in physics because graphs provide the best means of averaging a set of observations and show dependence between quantities clearly. I'll take that again. Gra graphical presentation of experimental results is preferred, usually preferred in physics. Graphical Presentation of experimental results is usually preferred in physics. Why? Graphs provide the best means of getting the average of sets of observations and shows the dependence between quantities clearly. That is to say, with the use of graphs, we are able to get the average of all the observations. And also, we can show how one variable depends on the other clearly. Welcome back to class. 
I hope we've all gone through the last audio lecture notes I sent to this group chat. If you've not done that, please take a time to go through it. Like I did mention, I will send the PDF file or PDF copy of the lecture. If there are questions, you can ask on this platform. I will provide answers to them. Let's go on to the next topic, plotting a graph. Like we did mention in the last topic, a graphical presentation of experimental results is always preferred in physics because graphs will provide the best means of averaging a set of observations. Also, graph shows the relationship between quantities. So in this lecture, we'll be looking at plotting a graph. We're looking at some important guidelines for plotting graphs for experimental measurements. Some important guidelines for plotting graphs of experimental measurements. One, plot the independent variable along the horizontal axis and the dependent variable along the vertical axis. I'll take that again. One, you are to plot the independent variable along the horizontal axis and the dependent variable along the vertical axis. For example, when various masses are hung from the wire, the resulting extension was measured. The mass in this case is the independent variable and is plotted horizontally. And the extension is the independent variable and is plotted vertically. Let me take that again. Looking at some guidelines for plotting a graph of experimental measurements. The first thing you have to note is that the independent variable is plotted along the horizontal axis, while the dependent variable is plotted along the vertical axis. So when you have variables, you have to know which is the dependent variable and which is the independent variable. In this example I gave, where you have mass and extension, the mass is the independent variable and is plotted horizontally. The extension is a dependent variable and is plotted vertically. Take note of that. Then two, the second guideline for plotting graphs of experimental measurements. Plots label both axes to show what quantity is plotted and don't forget to include the units 
I'll take that again. Label both axes to show the quantity that is being plotted. And don't forget to include the units. The first thing you to do is to plot the independent along the horizontal axis and the dependent along the vertical. Then you have to label the second guideline that you have to label each of the axis, both axis, and include the unit. Since only pure numbers can be plotted, the quantity measured should be divided by its units before plotting, which means that the axis should be labeled. That's quantity, the quantity and the units. The quantity and the units. Like the example we gave in number one, if you have extension, what is the unit of extension? It may it should be if it's millimeters, should be written. Then the mass, the unit is kilograms. And it should be written. That is the second guideline. Then the third guideline, choose the scale on the axis to make plotting simple. In choosing a scale, you must choose the scale that will make your plotting easy and simple. So learn to choose a simple scale that will make plotting simple for you. Then the fourth guideline, choose the range of the scales on the axis so that the, the points are suitably spread, spread out on the graph paper. I take number four again. Choose the range of the scales on the axis so that the points are suitably spread out on the graph paper. What I'm saying here is that you don't choose a scale that maybe one quarter of your of the of the graph paper that is what you are using, but choose a scale that your graph work will cover the graph paper. Then number five, plot result correctly. Plot result correctly. Sometimes some persons use dots and you may get confused with that. You can use a cross instead of dots or use dots and circle it neatly. Then six, when taking readings, generally spread them out evenly over the range of values of the quantity measured. When taking readings that is when performing the experiments take readings that will spread out not concentrate on a little fraction of it and that will make your work better then the seventh guideline plot a graph as your experiment proceeds plot a graph as your experiment proceeds in this way, you can check immediately if a point is so widely off that it needs to be measured again. I hope you understand that. Immediately you are taking your readings, plot the graph. Don't wait for maybe two weeks time, I will plot the graph. 
when you do that it will help you to know any point that was not worth taking so that you can repeat the experiment again in case the points not agreeing with your experimental value then the last guideline i have here draw a straight line or a smooth curve through points plotted on the graph rather than joining up successive points by short straight line the graphs that you have drawn the graph that you would draw generally represents some smooth variation of one quantity with another so a smooth curve is usually appropriate i take the last one again you are to draw a straight line that is if it's a straight line graph or a smooth curve through the plot the points plotted on the graph you are to draw a straight line or smooth curve through the points plotted on the graph welcome back to the to class this is supposed to be the third lecture note and we ought to be looking at types of graphs and linearization i'm not going to give you audio notes on that because it involves calculations and formulas so i will do a video on that topic and send to you but for now let's look at error analysis in physics error analysis in physics in physics the word error does not mean mistake in fact the term error refers to the fact that we cannot make measurements with infinite accuracy and precision and we cannot eliminate them by being very careful the best you can do is to ensure that errors are as small as reasonably possible and to have a reliable estimate of how large they are. When one considers the quality of a measurement, there are two aspects to consider. The first is if one were to repeat the measurements how close would new results be to the old? That is, how reproducible and repeatable is the measurements? How reproducible and repeatable is the measurements? If you have to take a measurement again and again, how close with the new measurement or the new result be to the old one? Scientists refer to this as the precision of the measurements. How close is the new value to the old value? Then, secondly, a measurement is considered good if it agrees with the true value. This is known as the accuracy of the measurements. But there's a potential problem in that one needs to know the true value to determine the accuracy. For example, we know that G, acceleration due to gravity, is approximately 9.8. So 
in performing the experiments. The accuracy is how close your result is to the true value already known. Under error, we'll be looking at types of errors. Types of errors. We have two types of errors. We have uh, systematic error and random er error. Examples of systematic error is a zero error, inaccurate calibration of instruments, while examples of random error is carelessness in making readings or records. Wrong techniques is also under random error. Error is, a dif is the difference between the actual value and the calculated value of any physical quantity. Error is the difference between the actual value and the calculated value of any physical quantity. Like I said before, basically, there are two types of errors in physics, the random errors and the systematic errors. Sources of errors in physics. Sources of errors in physics. All measurements of physical quantities are uncertain. There are three sources of errors. One, negligence or inexperience of a person. Another source of error in physics is faulty apparatus. The instrument you are using, if it's faulty, there's going to be errors. Then the next one is inappropriate methods or techniques. I'll take that again. Sources of errors in physics. There are three sources of errors. One, negligence or inexperience of a person. Two, faulty instrument, faulty apparatus. Then three, inappropriate methods or techniques. Let's look at the difference between error and uncertainties. The basic difference between errors and uncertainties is that error is the difference between the calculated value and the actual value. While uncertainty is usually described as an error in measurements. Let's take that again. The difference, the basic difference between error and uncertainty is that error is the difference between the calculated value and the actual value. While uncertainty is usually described as an error in measurements. Let's take this again. Types of errors in physics. There are two major types of errors in the measurement of physical quantities. We said this before, the random error and the systematic error. 
random error is said to take place when repeated measurements of the quantity give different values under the same condition. Random error is said to take place when repeated measurements of the quantity gives different values under the same condition. Reason for random error. These errors occur to some or no reasons. There are no reasons. That is why it's called random error. How can we reduce random error? Random error can be reduced by taking several readings of the same quantity and taking the mean value. Please take notes of that. Don't forget this. Random error can be reduced by taking several readings of the same quantity, then taking the mean, their mean, that's the average value. Perform an experiment, take different readings again and again, then take the average. That is how we can reduce random error. Remember that the reason for it is unknown. There are no reasons. A random error is said to take place when repeated measurements of the same quantity gives different values under the same conditions. Then the next is systematic error. Systematic errors occur when all the measurements of physical quantity are affected equally. These give the consistent difference in the reading. Systematic errors occurs when all the measurements or the physical quantities are affected equally. This gives, this gives the consistent difference in the readings. Reason for systematic error. Systematic error may occur due to one, zero error in measuring instruments, poor calibration of the instruments, Three, incorrect calibration of the measuring instruments. Let me take that again. Systematic error may occur due to zero error in measurements, the measuring instruments, poor calibration of the instruments, incorrect calibration of the measuring instruments. How can we reduce systematic error? We can reduce systematic error by comparing the instrument with another instrument, which is known to be more accurate. Thus, systematic error is reduced by applying a correction factor to all the readings taken on an instrument. We can reduce systematic error by comparing the instrument with another instrument, which is known to be more accurate. Thank you.